Latvia Weekly, your independent guide to the news in Latvia, with your hosts Otto Tabuns and Joe Horgan. Museum, and welcome to episode number 142 of the Latvia Weekly Podcast. I am Joe Horgan, joined by Otto Tabuns back in our natural habitat. We are back in our studio at Yelgava Spitala State Gymnasium, so we have about 40 minutes before our classes begin. Um, in, in a little while, you will probably hear a bunch of 11th graders in the hallway. That is uh, not a sound effect, that is actual noise. So Otto and I, as we do every single week, we are going to be breaking down the biggest news stories of the week. But Otto, unfortunately, although we tend to try to not uh, focus on COVID so much as, you know, we, as, as we can. This week, that is the big story. We, we've got a lot to talk about. And, and let's start with a Latvian word of the day, okay? Because actually, Otto and I had a discussion about this. Otto just taught me a lot about this word. If you read Latvian news sources, you hear a lot about Arkart situatia, okay? Otto, can you explain a little bit about what this means? How would we translate this into English, this word Arkarta? So, um, uh, our cartas uh, would uh, come from the word carta, which would mean order. Um, but if you add uh, long A and R at the beginning of this word, and uh, then you would guess uh, that uh, it changes the meaning, and it does. Uh, and we get the uh, out of order or extraordinary, uh, which is used when describing uh, the state of emergency, uh, mm-hmm. or literally uh, translated as um, this um, out of order or extraordinary situation. Certainly, yes. And uh, I think out of order would be a good way to describe um, kind of this process so far of uh, getting getting here in the first place, which we are going to get into. Um, so that that is our that is our main story right now. The state of emergency autos. This was announced um, basically yesterday, and there was a very long meeting that happened to discuss restrictions. So before we get to the restrictions, can you remind everyone? So this is not the first state of emergency that we've been in due to COVID, and also there's a difference between being in a state of medical emergency and being in a state of emergency in general for the entire country. So can you just give everyone a quick nutshell, um, you know, reminder of what that actually means? Uh, exactly. So if we talk about uh, the state of emergency in the healthcare system, uh, that is, of course, something that is limited to hospitals, to the institutions that provide healthcare, the public healthcare. And uh, with uh, such a, a local state of emergency, uh, this gives the right uh, to um, the management of hospitals uh, to act more freely with regard to the resources that the uh, hospitals have. Of course, here we're talking about public resources sources, public money, and also uh, the equipment and um, um, any other uh, property of uh, the healthcare uh, system. Uh, Because, of course, uh, the situation with the increasing number of uh, people who uh, have to be hospitalized due to COVID uh, makes it impossible uh, to uh, fulfill all the plans, for example, plan procedures, and also uh, prevent uh, having people standing outside of hospitals. It is already an issue uh, with regard to the ambulance cars who are standing in long lines uh, because of uh, the surge of COVID cases. 
but if we talk about the general state of emergency that would apply to the whole of the country, then that's of course a, a legal state of affairs, and uh, that would allow the cabinet of ministers, which is the government, uh, to um, add more obligations and restrict some rights um, for a limited period of time uh, to achieve a specific goal. And in this uh, case, that would be the uh, restriction or the uh, limitation of the extent of the pandemic in our country. And for what I understand, the lim that limited uh, amount of time is specifically three months mm -hmm. in this case. And uh, I just want to focus on one thing because uh, last time, so the state of emergency, if I remember correctly, mm -hmm. at least the state of medical emergency, you can fill me in, um, was, uh, was extended. But um, we've seen in, you know, certain countries where, you know, um, for example, some, uh, I guess a, um, you know, a wannabe dictator, for example, will declare a state of emergency and then keep it going forever. That in Latvia, there are constitutional protections to keep that from happening, which is why we have these, um, you know, specific amounts of time. So if the situation doesn't get better in three months, um, you know, what, what are, what are the options in terms of, uh, uh continuing this and, and, uh, you know, is that something, you know, that uh, could be taken advantage of, for example, by somebody who wants to circumvent the Constitution? Well, uh, before I answer uh, to that, I wanted to uh, clarify that with regard to the state of emergency in the healthcare system, uh, there are no constitutional uh, limitations mm. in the sense that it may be extended uh, because that would be uh, in any way uh, the right of the government to mm -hmm. uh, give the rules on how the uh, resources in the healthcare field are spent. Mm -hmm. If we talk about the state of emergency with regard to uh, additional obligations and limitations of some rights, that um, period of time for which it can take place is, of course, limited. Uh, but uh, there is also the option to extend it, um, and uh, it would then um, it could then become a constitutional question of um, how many times um, you would extend it, especially with situations that are not limited to three months. We know that pandemic is also uh, not among uh, these cases. And uh, I think that we are covering new ground because um, previously uh, this um, uh, part of the law has not been invoked and I think that uh, for the government um, and also the ones who are overseeing it, including the society, this is something new and uh, we will have to see out of the practice how this turns out and we have to be vigilant both with regard to the ability to deal uh, with the a threat to the basic guarantees for um, at least a minimum level of health care, which is a constitutional right, and also the um, limitations to other rights uh, which have been uh, put in force uh, on the account of this pandemic. Mm -hmm. Thanks for clarifying that, because I just think that's an important thing to keep in mind, because we see a lot of hysterical you know, posts from time to time, mm -hmm. people wondering, oh my goodness, is this all just a way to, to limit people's rights and everything? So you know, th there, there are these protections in place for a reason. But this has all been very abstract. Let's get concrete for a minute. So right now, there are more than 700 people in hospitals right now due to COVID. And from what I understand, that is the most since the beginning of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. So not just this third wave or fourth mm -hmm. wave or however we're calling it, that's the entire case of the pandemic. Uh, there's been huge worries about this for a long time. You know, Otto and I have been talking about this for the last month. This is the biggest thing that's been worried about. And, you know, even originally, pe people forget this. You know, the restrictions that were put into place both here in Latvia and throughout the world, it's always been to limit the peak and to keep hospital systems from uh, breaking down. And this has been a huge worry that we've seen mm -hmm. over the last uh, month. Um, 
yesterday we had over 1,700 new cases of COVID, uh, 1,752, that's a year, 1,752 cases. Uh, that is the second most that we've had the entire pandemic. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the most was in December 2020. That was at the height of the pandemic. This is not expected to be the height, unfortunately. Um, you know, the... From what I've heard, uh, you know, different uh, doctors who have been on Latvia's Radio Vienz, for example, you know, w- w- it's it's expected that uh, you know we could get up to around uh, three thousand by the by this current peak of this current wave, uh, which would be, you know, pretty catastrophic for the mm-hmm. Latvian hospital system. Um, so, Otto, uh, from what I understand, there are new COVID wards that have mm-hmm. been opened in different regional hospitals. Uh, I don't know, Otto. How do you how do you evaluate this whole situation? I mean, neither of us are medical professionals, but you know, I, I know that you um, you know ha- have looked at this because this is a security issue. Certainly, mm-hmm. you know, this falls into your field. So, uh, how how do we evaluate this whole situation? Um, exactly, it is indeed uh, a serious uh, issue for national security because um, it uh, has a very strong impact on the ability to provide uh, the basic functions of the state, specifically with regard to healthcare, with regard to uh, it as one of the essential services and uh, we can assume that even with uh, the new restrictions um, being raised uh, the situation uh, will get worse before it gets better Um, especially if we take into account the fact that uh, half of Latvians have received at least one dose of a COVID vaccine Mm. on the one hand uh, we could look at it positively, uh, uh, thinking that um, at least uh, for uh, this part of the society, even if they uh, receive um, the, the virus in one way or another, uh, it would be um, perhaps uh, easier uh, to um, recover. Uh, on the other hand, uh, that could also um, give the indication that uh, there are many people who uh, either on the account of um, counterindications or on the account of uh, their willingness not to uh, have the vaccine administered to them uh, to become uh, potentially one of these people who would require um, inpatient treatment and uh, it can be difficult uh, with regard to the uh, current uh, limits of the healthcare capacity. Mm-hmm. And one other thing I just want to uh, point out about vaccination is uh, there's been a lot of talk recently about whether or not booster shots will be approved in Latvia as they have been in Israel and, and other countries throughout the world. Uh, so that has officially been approved, um, you know, kind of initially for people over the age of 65, people with immunosuppressive uh, disorders, people who work in uh, in healthcare and, and have specific exposure to COVID-19 and, uh, you know, clients of um, uh, different uh, social care uh, centers and, and uh that is something that a lot of, um, you know, people have been talking about, you know, why did it take so long to do this? Because we have a lot of, you know, uh, shots that are going to go bad soon and can't really be at this point transported. So the question has been for a long time, well, you know, why, um, why let them go to waste when we know, you know, there's a lot of scientific evidence that shows that a third booster is specifically needed, not only recommended, but needed um, for a lot of these vaccines that have been going down. And this is only so far for AstraZeneca, um, and, uh, and, and Pfizer vaccines. So the other ones, um, you know, Moderna, uh, um, Johnson & Johnson, or Janssen, as we call it here in Latvia, um, th- those have not been approved for, for another dose yet. Um, but, I mean, Otto, I, I can imagine, you know, I, I had the AstraZeneca shot. Um, 
I imagine I'm probably going to be getting a booster sometime the next couple of months mm-hmm. because this is how it happened the first time. You know, first the the shot was, um, you know, approved for only you know these highest of high risk groups, and then you know teachers, and and then and then the rest of the population. So I, I could totally imagine getting this pretty soon. Yeah, and I think that is also something that uh, perhaps we can look at uh, with the similarity of uh, other vaccines that we are receiving uh, throughout our lifetime, such as for uh, diphtheria and uh, others. Uh, so you would still have to get a vaccination uh, repeatedly so one is not enough for lifetime and indeed uh, as you mentioned there is increasing um, scientific um, uh, view that uh, that would be the way to go so uh, probably uh, the government will also follow that recommendation mm-hmm. well we are above 50 percent uh, for of people who've started vaccination I have a striking uh, feeling that that might go up pretty soon considering the new restrictions have been put into place. So it's time to delve into the restrictions. Um, Otto, so these, from what I understand, because uh, I, I woke up pretty early this morning and uh, I went to bed very, very early last night. Uh, so from what I understand, these were announced at something around like 1.30 in the morning. It was very yes, late. Yes, uh, I followed it live, actually. I wow. was awake because I, I thought... Know, you, you look great for her. Uh, yeah, thank you. <laughs> because a... I thought uh, that, um, well, they announced the press conference already at 1 and mm. at uh, 1 a.m. and then it started sometime afterwards. Um, but, you know, uh, as they were discussing uh, all that for nine hours, so it, it was good that they were able to uh, come up with something at least um, at that early hour. Mm. And uh, f- what we heard, uh, at least then, uh, are some um, basic principles with regard to raising the restrictions. Mm-hmm. I understand that uh, that was the discussion of the Crisis Management Council. And today the government uh, will uh, proceed with uh, getting to detailed regulation and putting that into force. So th- I understand that uh, as we speak currently mm-hmm. on uh, a Friday morning, that is not yet the case, but uh, I would uh, expect um, to have concrete uh, decisions taken uh, later today based on the principles that were uh, discussed in the press conference uh, this morning. Yeah. And that would, uh, in principle, mean raising the restrictions and um, raising um, the requirements uh, back to some of the previous levels with regard to the wearing of masks mm-hmm. in a public place. Uh, and also going forward with uh, this requirement uh, to uh, have people in the public sector uh, to be vaccinated or have recovered from COVID, so to have the COVID pass. So as we know, vaccine is not the only option, but the other is, uh, you can discuss which one is better, but uh, there would be then um, uh, two options that could lead to a person uh, getting the green pass, uh, but that would be something that would be required of people working in the public sector. And that could also be the question about uh, increasing um, restrictions uh, to people who are not vaccinated yet, um, especially uh, with regard to non-essential services, such as um, uh, shops and, um, for example, uh, buying products that would not be deemed essential services. So uh, I would assume that would be uh, most anything beyond uh, groceries and uh, medicines and matters like those. Yeah, and one thing, Otto, I, I wish you were here last week, um, but but now now you are here, so you can you can explain this a little bit because I, I read these uh, in Latvian, and you know I also read the you know English LSM translation, but mm-hmm. it's also a little bit unclear. So they mention in the uh, um, you know uh, restrictions that have been announced so far. The uh, you know the the draft of them that only um, you know essential items and 
so people who are not vaccinated will not, even with a uh, with a mask, be able to go to Lille Vekali. Mm-hmm. And this is a difficult thing to translate because it's translated um, into supermarket. But for example, for my American brain, I understand a supermarket to be like Remy, mm-hmm. Maxima. I don't think that's what they're talking about, though. Yeah, I think they're talking I, about like Alpha, for uh, example, or Origo, or like so these. So I, I think per- perhaps the, <clears throat> uh, the a correct phrase would be shopping mall mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. that uh, would contain not only a grocery store, but would contain uh, either uh, several stores uh, with the different specific goods, or at least uh, it, it could be also, let's say, uh, one store, but that has uh, a variety of goods in the same uh, shop. So th- I'm not sure whether uh, it has been uh, defined legally yet, but it could be the case that uh, it is then described in this new regulation uh, what would be the uh, type of uh, shops uh, that um, unvaccinated people would be uh, permitted to go into. And uh, it could be then based uh, uh, just on the uh, account of the products that are provided there. Mm-hmm. Uh, we know those cases that during uh, the previous uh, state of emergency in previous lockdown, uh, both in Latvia and in Estonia, there was one um, um, shopping center, I would guess. Well, they were um, selling non-essential goods such as construction materials and other uh, products like those, but uh, to overcome the restrictions associated with non-essential shops like these, uh, they started selling food. So as they would qualify under the law as uh, that kind of a a shop where it would be possible to go because that would sell an essential service. So we'll see whether the government deals uh, with uh, those cases in this regulation. Uh, so I would expect the, the, um, the difference of products being uh, a significant matter in, in this differentiation. Uh, at the same time, perhaps they will also take into account the lessons learned and have it uh, a bit more complex way of how to regulate it than previously. Yeah, and the reason why I'm bringing this up is because uh, for non-Latvian speakers, you know, or for people like me whose Latvian isn't completely perfect, you know, I just saw, okay, well, like, I, I, t- I took the article, I think it was from, um, you know, TVNet, and I, and I directly translated it LSM, and it translated into that um, people who are not vaccinated will able, be able to shop at convenience stores, but not supermarkets. So for me, that's like, okay, they'll be able to shop at Narvison, but not at, you know, mm-hmm. LV, for example. And that just made no sense. So, yeah. so that's, so that, that's why I want to bring this up. So just yeah. be aware. Um, and, you know, we, we will get more clarification because I think, you know, in general, like Otto said, that there is still a lot that's, that's mm-hmm. very unclear about this. And one other thing, um, you know, cause, uh, we, we will, so once we have the official restrictions, please check the Latvia weekly Facebook page. Um, also you can check, um, lsm.lv in the English version of LSM, uh, eng.lsm.lv. They'll have the latest most up-to-date versions, but uh, Kian from uh, our, our team will also have it on the Latvia Weekly Facebook page. Um, I just want to point out, so the Crisis Management um, Council, okay, which had this meeting, so this, uh, from what I understand, there's a lot of overlap with members of the government. So there are ministers who take part on this, but, it, but it's not the same thing. So just because they've made these recommendations, the the actual you know government, the cabinet of ministers, all the ministers, they have to approve this, and then uh, Saima would have to approve it as well, from what I understand. Mm-hmm. Because here, uh, with regard to the Crisis Management Council, it involves both uh, the government and uh, a variety of experts uh, who would then discuss the different options, the different scenarios, uh, the, the latest research on the matter. And then uh, I understand that they put together a variety of options. But 
you know, uh, experts discuss, but it is the government who decides. And uh, yeah. so that is a format that does not involve uh, experts in the decision making in the sense that constitutionally it would not be uh, possible yeah. uh, w- with the setting that we have now. So, so they look at different options, but uh, in the end it is a political decision and that is up to the government to make it. Yep. So just keep checking back because again, also, by this time next week, we could also have more restrictions. I mean, mm-hmm. it's not completely out of the ordinary. Uh, one thing I also want to uh, focus on as well is in, in terms of schools. So in schools, um, once these restrictions go into place, uh, everyone will have to use masks, also uh, vaccinated, from what I understand. That that was the um, one thing that was mentioned. Um, but according to Minister Moishnitze, um, school is expected to continue after October break, okay? Because what happened last year, we had a similar situation, and we went completely um, online. Uh, what she mentioned, though, earlier in the week, I didn't read anything about this from the council um, that met last night. Uh, she did mention the possibility that October break could be extended a week. I haven't heard anything about that since Tuesday. So it, it was not mentioned during yeah. the press conference uh, early uh, this morning where she also spoke, uh, but uh, it was uh, her um, intention as she announced uh, to, to have schools uh, have their process take place in presence rather yeah. than in, from distance. Mm-hmm. And um, that would be uh, something uh, that uh, could be achieved also by going forward with the requirement to have um, um, all the uh, workers there vaccinated as all teachers are also part of the uh, public sector and um, also uh, limiting uh, extracurricular activities such as uh, the temporary ban on uh, tours and visits to museums that would be organized by the school so that there would be less uh, of a likelihood of coming into contact with uh, people uh, that uh, have COVID and that would require then for um, teachers and uh, pupils to go into quarantine and not be yeah. present in school. But again, based on my experience, this can change pretty rapidly. So you That's know, definitely right. yeah, so, um, so we'll, keep your eyes peeled. Yeah, we'll wait for what the government decides today. Certainly. Um, okay, one last thing I just want to mention about COVID very quickly, moving into our next section about uh, domestic politics. So um, Minister Pavlouts, uh, Pavlouts, oh my goodness, I did it again. Minister Daniels Pavlouts, um, health minister from Autisti by Par, he, uh, in an interview earlier this week, he said that politicians um, have been too slow, they've been too worried to make the strict restrictions that they need. Um, I wanted to get your comment on this, Otto, because, you know, of course, on one hand, you know, he is the health minister, um, so he's and the one... he's also a politician. <laughs> yeah, cer- certainly. So, you know, it's kind of interesting to hear that. I mean, is this, um, I-, I don't know, I mean, is this just kind of like posturing? I mean, do you think that's fair for him to, to make this point? Because, of course, it's not just his decision. The whole, you know, uh, government has to decide on that. But, but I wanted to hear your, your comment on um, that kind of little uh, cutie he threw out there. Well... I would guess that in principle he's right. Uh, at the same time, let's not forget that he's also part of um, the bunch of people who are in charge. So it is also his responsibility. And um, whereas many people, so not only him, have criticized the government uh, both for the fact that the restrictions are uh, too harsh and uh, for the fact that restrictions have not been taken um, in a punctual manner so that uh, they should have been in place sooner. So uh, there is a lot of criticism uh, coming towards the government and there would be a number of factors uh, that politicians, especially the decision makers, uh, have to balance with when um, you know deliberating on this uh, 
on the one hand, it is the reaction of the society. Um, also, the lessons learned from the issues with regard to the lockdown, from mm-hmm. the curfew, and uh, the problems associated with, uh, let's say, the distance learning and other uh, examples. Uh, at the same time, there are also other political uh, implications for any decisions or indecisions, and that, of course, is also the political cycle and the coming election, uh, which I would guess is uh, something that uh, all politicians uh, remember. And uh, I think that uh, any decision or um, any fact of indecision mm-hmm. will certainly be uh, a factor, even if uh, the general Latvian political memory is relatively short. Certainly. Um, well, speaking of Latvian political memory, you might remember a former Minister of Economy, Rolfs Nemiero. Uh, he was, um, for around two years, I believe, the uh, Minister of Economics from the KPVLV party, also very short-lived um, party. So uh, he uh, had a pretty rough week, Otto. So um, I, from what I understand, he was uh, implicated in a case. So what, what was the what was the basic um, gist of this criminal process that is uh, that's ongoing uh, regarding his uh, behavior. So and here we are talking about a criminal proceeding which has been initiated uh, with regard to an allegation that a bribe uh, was given uh, to um, achieve a, a specific uh, decision or specific result. And here we are talking about the municipality of Duobele um, in the uh, south uh, of Latvia uh, and uh, the question about the the uh, um, alleged deal with regard to the division of uh, political uh, posts or political appointments in the uh, municipal council of uh, Duobele. And uh, Mr. Nemiro is one of the uh, politicians who have been uh, implicated in this. And there also have been uh, other um, deputies uh, or politicians, uh, also from the party uh, of the Greens and Farmers, uh, that... uh, are um, names that are associated with this case. Mm-hmm. Um, I just want to point out, by the way, one of my favorite words in Latvian is uh, kukulis, mm-hmm. um, which is uh, bribe is what we think of most. But it's also, from what I understand, it also means a loaf of bread. That's right. So, so is yeah. there some kind of historical, like did, did people used to give bribes as a, as a loaf of bread at some point in Latvian history? Was, was this an issue? or? Well, I think you know it. it you know, I think it it goes back to the fact that bread is the staple of mm-hmm. Latvian cuisine, as it is in many other countries, and there can be different meanings associated with this word, both in a figurative and literary sense, because... If you would go, for example, when I would visit a UN Liga, uh, mm-hmm. I could take a Tsiema Kukuls with yeah. me, and that would literally mean um, 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 a gift that you would bring with you when you come as a guest. Yeah. And so, uh, but that would also refer to a, a loaf or, and, uh, there could be a positive meaning like for uh, such yeah. a situation, but it has also been used with regard to kukulduashen or giving of loaves, literally, that would be uh, the term for giving bribes. So yeah. depending on your intentions, it can have good or bad uh, meaning, especially since we have a country um, and we know that our country developed later than our language did and so it is interesting how we have found the term how to refer to this problem associated with organized politics it's just funny though because especially um Dobele, as you mentioned you know Dobele is one of the biggest grain producing you know centers in the yeah. entire country um so you know i imagine uh, you know 
criminalikum normas par kukulduashanu. It's like, you know, literally about bread, but yeah. uh, obviously it's not. <laughs> okay. Um, another, by the way, um, political, um, I don't think it's quite fair to call this corruption yet, but um, but, but, but a um, situation where there was political pressure, or at least um, allegations of political pressure. This is a story that I tried my best to explain last week, and I promised that Otto would be here next week and be able to explain it better. Um, so can you run us through very quickly what's going on with this case regarding uh, President Egil's Levitz and um, Irena Kutsinya, who is the um, advisor, who is an advisor to the president, and she uh, is um, one of the candidates for the uh, constitutional court. So uh, what, what's going on here, Otto? Yeah. Uh, so the story that you um, introduced uh, quite well in the last episode is continuing, as uh, there have been calls uh, for uh, Ms. Kutsina, uh, who is uh, a candidate for the constitutional court, uh, to recall her candidacy after the call that president made, uh, which has been viewed by many as controversial uh, with regard to the allegations that uh, a president perhaps um, uh, provided um, unduly pressure on uh, the members of the parliament uh, to support the candidate uh, who is currently uh, his uh, employee. Uh, and uh, there are uh, a variety of versions of what actually happened during the call and um, I believe that neither of the participants of the call have discussed the contents of the call in detail. At the same time, um, uh, this is indeed a controversy as uh, president, uh, with all the powers that he has in the constitution, he does not have a formal role in uh, the um, uh, decision making uh, with regard to the uh, composition of the constitutional court. Uh, And um, this uh, story will not go away, especially as a candidate uh, herself has announced that uh, it is not her responsibility um, about the statements or actions of uh, Mr. President, and uh, she would not see that as an issue for her candidacy to the court. So uh, we can see that, uh, as we mentioned, I believe, sometime around the new year that the matter of constitutional court and the vacancy will be a hot issue. Um, At the same time, I never expected this to be part of the story. Uh, yeah. But uh, we see that it is, and we see how um, uh, contested uh, this matter is, uh, seeing the very important role that especially recently has been perceived uh, from the Constitutional Court with regard to a matter of uh, civil rights and other issues where the Constitutional Court has made decisions that are not in line with uh, some of the members of the government. Mm-hmm. My, my sizzling two cents would be that uh, if we were not going through this massive um, <laughs> meltdown on the on the government and in the health system, um, I think people would be paying a lot more close attention to this story. But I think right now this is barely registering for, for most of Latvia, besides people mm-hmm. who are very closely following politics like Otto and I do. So, um, But uh, let's talk about one story which uh, people have been looking forward to for years now, really. So we officially had the little stores... L-I-D-L, not L-A-T-T-L. They're not, they're not very little stores. Um, open throughout the country. Um, and uh, one of the key words that we've been hearing a lot about is bananas, um, which uh, is one of the uh, apparently cheaper products that you can buy because uh, there's a store, you know, I, I have colleagues who would drive down to Lithuania sometimes and do their shopping at the Little and in, in uh, Shaoli uh, and, then, and then come back and, and uh, you know, um, well, I guess eat it. <laughs> you know? But uh, so, so Otto, what in the world is going on with, uh, with bananas? So uh, we have seen uh, the lowest 
price uh, for bananas since they have entered the free market in the 90s uh, because one of the ways how uh, Lidl uh, is trying to attract customers uh, to their opening is by um, offering bananas for uh, a price that is I believe um, at least three times lower than uh, it used to be let's say a week ago and uh, with uh, this news uh, we have seen other um, shops and other malls uh, down pricing their bananas um, in consequence and um, we can discuss whether that is really competition or whether that is let's say uh, just uh, a way how to uh, catch uh, the attention for a short time and uh, will go away as a gimmick Um, but uh, it has certainly made news and uh, has put a lot of Um, the interest in the society with regard to these issues, especially as the prices for food uh, are increasing. Mm -hmm. And um, I think that this has perhaps uh, given hope uh, to uh, some uh, that really this participation of Lidl in the Latvian market would uh, help uh, this uh, price of food uh, not go up as steeply as it could on the account of many factors that uh, have been relevant in the world. Well, I think that people are going to be very happy to be able to save on food because of the price of energy Mm -hmm. that has been skyrocketing. And Otto um, put the show document together. Thank you so much, Otto, for doing that this week. Uh, He put this in the international section uh, because Mm -hmm. the prices in energy that we've seen here Mm -hmm. in Latvia go up. That's not just in Latvia. That's all over Europe, really. Um, So can you can you explain what why exactly has this become um, such an international issue in in this region of the world uh, Mm -hmm. with skyrocketing energy prices? So uh, there are several factors that uh, have uh, made the situation as it is today and this month and um, uh, most recently. Um, Part of it is uh, explained at least in our region, in the Nordic Baltic region, uh, with uh, the limited amount of um, uh, rain uh, that has um, limited uh, the production of hydroelectric power in Scandinavia. Uh, That partially explains uh, this hike of uh, electricity prices in the uh, energy pools that uh, we use in this region to buy the electricity from. Um, On the other hand, uh, that is a trend that is not um, relevant only to this region. Uh, There are other factors such as um, the um, increasing uh, cold and uh, the increasing uh, price of natural gas. And uh, that is, of course, not only used for uh, heating, uh, but also used for uh, creating uh, and producing electricity. As um, in uh, the case of Riga, you would have the uh, thermoelectrical power plants that provide uh, not only heat but also electricity from natural gas on the one hand it is uh, very easy to do and that is also a way that creates almost no pollution at mm-hmm. the same time um, in the case of the Baltic states uh, with, uh, spe- specifically with regard to Latvia and Lithuania we are 100% dependent on uh, one natural gas source um, that is uh, Russia and so yeah. we have no input on the uh, gas price at all uh, there is of course a liquid natural gas um, term terminal in Klaipad and there would be opportunities to buy cheaper gas abroad and then store it um, to bring it to Klaipad and store it in Inchukans. Uh, at the same time, uh, the demand uh, for natural gas has also increased uh, in East Asia, uh, in other countries. So um, 
even if uh, there is gas uh, in many cases, uh, the liquid one is uh, bought up uh, by uh, other countries. So there are many factors and this has been a trend. Uh, perhaps also uh, in connection to the fact that uh, some time ago we saw electricity prices being negative that we reported previously. <laughs> and <Not> uh, anymore. <laughs> yes, and you know, uh, uh, some experts have concluded that perhaps this is part of this natural cycle and if uh, those uh, producers of electricity had to take losses in that time, Mm -hmm. And, you know, now they have to uh, get uh, that money back and uh, that could be part of the uh, free market and perhaps not the most um, good looking part of it. Certainly not. Yeah. Well, at least from an ecological perspective, I mean, you know, for people who are very worried about, uh, you know, greenhouse gases and, and uh, global warming, you know, I guess that that's one positive, I guess you can you can say to come out of this, that yeah. maybe we'll have more conservation. Uh, let's take a look at this week in history, Otto. So tell us about 1921. What happened on October the 7th? That's right. That's a very important date because should we have had this uh, show a um, hundred uh, years ago, then we would be reporting on the elections of the first Saima or the first parliament. Yeah. And it was scheduled uh, at this time because it was, uh, I believe, almost uh, two months after the time that the uh, War of Independence uh, concluded. And it was uh, the ability to get the representation of people uh, from all parts of Latvia and the work of the popular assembly, the institution that enacted constitution was uh, finished and so it uh, gave way uh, to the establishment of the first parliament as it was mm -hmm. set in, in um, Satversme and it was interesting to see that there were 31 parties that ran for the election and 20 out of them got into the parliament oh God. Yeah. So that's uh, why we have the 5% limit nowadays. Yes, because you had a number of parties that had, say, one, two, or a couple of seats. Uh, at the same time, it was interesting to note that uh, in contrast to these days, 82.2% of eligible yeah. voters participated. Yeah. Uh, perhaps because of uh, the sense of different threats uh, and the international situation made it uh, clear why this is important and why it is important to uh, have an order in our own home, uh, which was our new country. And so people were more uh, involved and uh, that resulted in um, um, a strong link between the society and the parliamentary system. Certainly, and this is something that people didn't take for granted, certainly, at that at that point. Um, really quick, Otto, because we both have to go to class. Uh, can you tell us what people can do this week? Uh, so my recommendation would be to um, take a look and watch uh, the new uh, limited uh, series drama, uh, Emilia, uh, the Queen of Latvian Press, uh, which uh, has opened uh, on pay television and is also um, um, shown in cinemas uh, in Riga and across Latvia. Uh, it is the story of Miss Emily Benjamina, uh, who uh, was the founder and publisher of the most popular Latvian newspaper, Jaunaka Zinis. And uh, she was also one of the most successful Latvian entrepreneurs uh, whose destiny followed ups and downs of uh, Latvian history in the first half of the 20th century. I believe that she was also the first Latvian millionaire, mm. so uh, she really had the business sense and she put together her talent in journalism in uh, becoming the queen of Latvian press. Uh, at the same time, uh, you had uh, a lot of uh, challenges in her life, many of them dictated by international events, and uh, that is probably uh, a story, her life story, uh, that also uh, explains uh, many of the most difficult parts of the Latvian national history. 
Well, thank you so much, Otto, for joining me. Thank all of you for joining us as well. We will be back this time uh, next week. And uh, in the meantime, please check our Facebook page, Latvia Weekly. Keen will be updating that as always. Thank you so much to him. And until next week, Visa Labo Visium. Visa Labo.